Hey guys, uh, back with episode 64. We're just going to go with 64. Um, yeah, 64. I don't even know if I have 63 done. But we're going to go with 64, so that's just, yeah, 64. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, I'm going to jump into it, a little of a longer episode, but it's okay. Uh, just bear with me. Uh, this is the episode of Noises again because uh, there's an, a pesky ice cream truck decides to want to pop in and the lawnmower. And I'm doing this intro after the episode, so the lawnmower is still here. Uh, so there's that. Um, yeah. So I want you to welcome our next guest, which is the delightful Crystal. Um, just a sweet woman. And um, she, she does a lot of great work. And, uh, oh, you know what? I'm sorry, guys. So, so, like, the mic picks up everything, as I always say. So, um, one of the things I bought are these, like, nifty, uh, what do you want to call them? They're these, like, silicone, like, uh, oh, what do you want to call them? God dang it. I'm messing this up. Oh, I'm ruining this podcast. Uh, anyway, it's just, a, a, like, zip ties. There we go, zip ties. Um, but they're, like, silicone-y, and, but they're, like, magnetic at the end. So you hear snap, and they're really tight. They lock in, and they're really cool, actually. And I'm going to use them for, like, my cables and stuff. And see, I just did it accidentally. And I'm, like, I'm so fidgety, so I'm, like, playing with it. So once in a while, if you hear a snap, that's what it is. Sorry. I got, I just got, like, I got to keep my hands moving, especially when I'm listening. So I just want to, you know, just let you in on the, the, the insaneness of, of, just the insanity, excuse me, of, me because I don't want to say I'm a lunatic because that would mean I do a lot of really just ridiculously think ridiculous things but you can make the case we'll just say that um but yeah guys let's just welcome Crystal thanks everyone again for the support so see you guys well see ya and then come back and then Crystal see if I had any damn ads this is where the ad would pop in, but people are stupid. Yes, I said it. All right, guys. Welcome, Crystal. <laughs> All right, guys. We are back with another great guest. Um, again, I constantly are searching for these people, and weirdly enough, this person I messaged was, I guess I was her first message. Um, and, you know, I'm always looking for good speakers and people that are good representations of our community as the you know disabled community. Um, so do you want to tell us, uh, you know, like your name, where you're from and obviously what your condition is? Okay, sure. Um, and hello listeners. Um, uh, my name is Crystal Allen and I am from Newark, New Jersey. I was born and raised in Newark and I have a condition called pseudotumor cerebri, which led to me becoming legally blind. Um, and I started losing my vision at the age of 16. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, so what, again, can you tell us a little about what that condition is? Cause there's so many different eye conditions and they all do so many different things, even though it's a small area, but, uh, what, what it entails like, what, what, what's the details about your condition? Okay. No problem. I'll share that. Um, so I'll kind of rewind back to the root of, before this condition, actually. Sure. So, um, 
since I was five years old, I've had a skin condition called eczema. Right. Some okay. people are familiar with it. Mm. There's different uh, variants of eczema, like rosacea, psoriasis, and pretty much eczema is asthma on the skin, dry skin, irritable skin. And there are more severe forms of eczema, and then there's mild forms. And over time, my eczema became severe. I even, at 11 years old, I could not walk for a whole week because of my eczema because um, my joints and my knees locked, and it was, like, so painful to try to straighten my legs because, my legs got infected from my eczema. Uh And so, um, thankfully enough, with the treatment of my grandmother, who is from Honduras, Central America, um, it kind of helped me restore the ability to walk again. And I just always had issues with my skin because of this eczema. Um, So... I did not wear shorts. I was not comfortable with my skin because sometimes it would be patchy, itchy, dry, and just horrible. Right. And um, I, I saw so many dermatologists to treat my skin. Up until the age 16, my um, aunt lived in Brooklyn. My, her, her daughter had eczema. And hers wasn't as severe as mine, but she was being treated by this dermatologist in Brooklyn in the Bedford group, which his name just so happened to be Michael Jackson. Okay. And um, she was seeing a lot of great results with him. So I began getting treated by him, and my grandmother would drive me up to New York every time we had these appointments. And as we maintained consistency, I really started to see some really great results. I mean, my skin wasn't as irritable. It wasn't patchy. I was wearing shorts for the first time at 16 years old, feeling very confident. But things took a turn um, during the one year of my treatment with uh, this dermatologist. Out of all of the dermatologists that I've seen, where I began receiving headaches all day every day I was um, unbalanced when standing and walking at times feeling like I was going to just pass out Um, and sometimes to lift and turn my head it would be so difficult and I did not know what was going on with me you know I was actually uh, excited to enter my junior year of high school I was working at a gift shop in a local hospital over the summer. I was I was doing things that teenagers like to do, like to have a little money, you know, like to uh, uh, look forward to the next stage in life. I, I knew I was going to have a chance to take driver's ed and possibly get my permit. All of these great things I was looking forward to as a teenager. But with these different new complications, I just, didn't know what was actually happening and sometimes I would vomit clear fluid out of nowhere and then my grandmother was working for a hospital in a town called Irvington the hospital's name was Irvington General Hospital which it no longer is in existence now 
But um, as she was working there, she took me to an eye specialist in their ophthalmology unit. And he examined me and he just told me that my eyes were inflamed and I was going to need to uh, have prescription eyewear. And to come back in two weeks, he gave me some eye drops to kind of help with the swelling. And before those two weeks arrived, I was still having so many issues. I really, I couldn't even go to school. I was fatigued. All I could do was sleep. And um, we went back to the same ophthalmologist, uh, no, ophthalmology unit, but there was a different ophthalmologist who was working, and he did much more of a thorough examination on me. He did a visual field test. He dilated my eyes. He just was really interested in trying to figure out what was going on because my eyes, like, people could see something was wrong uh, by just looking at my eyes because my eyes were bulging out, and the optic nerves, uh, had ruptured in a way that it almost looked like 3D on my eyeballs. So I used to wonder, like, why everybody used to stare at my eyes so much, you know, including the doctors. Those doctors, they used to take their little flashlight and it's like, wow, oh, my goodness. Did it hurt? Like, well, the flashlight didn't hurt, you know. Anytime someone shines a light in your eyes, it's a little annoying. But um, well, I ask because mine are super sensitive, and the first time like a doctor tried to do that to me, I sneezed all over him. Oh, <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, that wasn't my case, but um, by the end of that appointment, it was determined that I had pseudotumor cerebri. And for those of you who are not familiar with pseudotumor cerebri, what it is is uh, basically a false brain tumor and so because the word pseudo means false and you have a cerebri which represents you know anywhere in the head or the brain and then the tumor and so what happens to me is I have all of the symptoms of a brain tumor so it's like I'm mimicking a brain tumor but because it's pseudo meaning false I don't grow an actual tumor on my brain so in place of the growth of the tumor, I built excessive fluid around my optic nerves, my brain, and my spinal cord. And that fluid is called cerebral spinal fluid. Everybody has cerebral spinal fluid. It's supposed to help with the healthy functioning of your brain, you know, and your uh, spinal cord and equilibrium. All of these things are interconnected. And in many cases, normal levels of cerebral spinal fluid uh, buildup is usually between 12 and 16. And my cerebral spinal fluid would rise to 38. And if left untreated, that could be fatal. I could have um, an aneurysm, which could lead to, you know, a fatal outcome. And, um, so what happens with this excessive cerebral spinal fluid? It creates a pressure in the head. If you had a headache, if you had a migraine, all of that is a head pressure. Um, but my head pressure uh, would be kind of exaggerated 
because of the amount of fluid I would produce. And once it was determined that I had tumor cerebri, I had to be rushed to another hospital, a children's hospital, because I was still a minor. And then the treatment really began. I started seeing a neurologist and getting on different types of, um, what do they call that, um, Lasix to allow me to kind of like manually reduce the fluid. Right. And then I had to begin to be treated by a neuro-ophthalmologist who specialized in pseudotumor patients. Where were you at mentally, like, going through all this? Because obviously you were just kind of trying to get through your last condition, the eczema. You're trying to battle for that. And now you're into this world, which is a whole other problem. And now you know you could either die or lose your sight. So, And you're a young girl. So where, where are you at mentally and, and feeling about all this stuff? Well, it took me a while to kind of, like, settle in with what was really happening. Because honestly... Before I began losing my eyesight and learning about these different medical terms and what was actually happening to me, I, I kind of dealt a lot with low self-esteem because of my experience with my eczema, you know, being teased, being bullied in school, just because I was different or I looked different or because I had a condition that I could not control um, and just not feeling comfortable in myself and um, I experienced uh, a lot of issues that some people could probably say is relative to vanity because I was a teenager. You know, when you're a teenager, you go through a lot of different uh, teenager uh, phases. Right. And you want to be accepted. You want to, as a, a girl, you want to be pretty. You want to be, you know, what people are drawn to with teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I was not, I mean, I had friends, but because of my low self-esteem, I was very uh, quiet. I wasn't too vocal. I kept a lot inside and, you know, I dealt with depression. I dealt with, I dealt with suicidal thoughts, all of those things before my vision loss. And... Everything happened so quickly with my vision loss that I did not have time to pay attention to those other things that were happening to me. It's it's crazy how things shifted. <laughs> like I I didn't have time to think about feeling depressed and feeling uh like I wanted to be accepted just because of how I look. I I didn't have any time for that because it was like okay one, am I going to die because of this? And then two, I'm going to be blind? Like, what? what is that going to be like? What is my life going to become? And I'm, I'm 16 years old. And I was the only person, I was the first person I met that became visually impaired. I didn't know anyone else who was blind or visually impaired. And, and then I didn't know that I would expect to... Uh, have treatment for a whole year um, during what was supposed to be my junior year of high school. And so mentally, I didn't have time to adjust to any mental uh, health or any issues concerning it. 
initially because everything was happening so very fast. Right. And um what what's it what's it like to like whether you've had it during then or, or you know later in life what's it like to have that realization of like man I really kind of took my eyes for granted because we all kind of take whatever it is we lose for granted until it's gone or mostly gone in our case um did you ever have that realization of like oh damn like I really didn't like I'm not going to be able to see anymore I I haven't seen that many things. I'm only 16. Well, yeah, you know, I'll say maybe six to eight months into my new lifestyle, I really had to, because my family, they were so overprotective of me. And it seemed like they took it harder with losing my eyesight than I did. Because I didn't know what to think and how to respond. And then I didn't know that I could expect to be treated differently uh, just because I was now becoming legally blind. And then the way that it all happened, because it was like my specialist was trying to figure out, okay, what was the root of me developing a pseudotumor? Because pseudotumor cerebri at the time was very rare for a teenager. Most people who acquired pseudosumer cerebri were in their late 30s, early 40s. They were severely obese. They had a high salt intake in their diet and very stressed. And at 16 years old, I was just 143 pounds. I didn't have a high salt intake in my diet. I wasn't in my late 30s or early 40s or anything like that. And so my specialist decided to investigate my prescription history. And when he received the results of my prescription history, he learned that seven out of the 25 medications I was prescribed while being treated by the dermatologist in New York contained a tetracycline. And the tetracycline reacted as an overdose um, in my body. And so that is what formed my pseudotumor, which led to my vision loss. And so um, to try to like capture everything that I felt, you know, where my mental health was going, I, and then even thinking about my vanity at 16 it was like all of that was out the window it's like do you think about your vanity and feeling bad over how you look to now being a a statistic or stereotype as a person who has a disability and um it was time for me to really transition into what my new lifestyle was going to be I think you also like when I was asking, I think you also kind of, like you said, you took six to eight months to realize. I think you kind of, because I think, well, I was very young, so it's different for me, but there's parts of my life where I kind of was very numb and in shock. So I didn't really have much time to, I wasn't in that mindset to be able to realize it. And then when some things do happen and when I do finally realize it, it might be months later and it's like, oh shit, like it's just, 
you kind of just kind of get numb to it after a while. And then it just, at some point later in life, you kind of realize it. And it's weird, but a lot of times the people around you take it harder because you kind of have to be the strong one, even though you're the one that's probably the most affected because you're the one that's dealing with the problem. But, um, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, actually I didn't really have like a, a real kind of breakdown about my vision loss until five years in. I know it's such a delayed reaction. Yeah. But <laughs> the reason I feel that happened was, one, I'm the oldest out of seven. And I always prided myself in being the big sister. And, you know, being a role model, being someone that my siblings would want to, you know, count on and look up to. Even though I'm just five foot one and a half, <laughs> and all of them are taller than me now, so they're not feisty? doing too much looking up. <laughs> but like you know, outside of the figurative sense of it all, you know, I wanted to be who they would count on and who they would be proud to be their leader as their oldest siblings. You know, so <clears throat> with all of that, I started gaining my wings little by little in terms of independence and one thing like I said my family seems to have taken my vision loss a little harder than I did because they were so unfamiliar with the blindness community I mean I was unfamiliar at first but they were really unfamiliar and like I became a new kind of uh, experience for everyone and, and on top of that, my family just really loved me. So they just wanted to be there for me in the best way possible because of this condition. I experienced 22 spinal taps, two eye surgeries, and one temporary shunt in my head. And having to go through a year of hospital treatment and just realizing my life was going to be a little different. And not knowing really where it was going to head, but um, I knew things was going to be different. I was told that by the time I turned 30 that I would be totally blind. And then I was also told that um, I didn't have the cognitive ability to go to college. And, and that I could not become a teacher and I could not travel to Tokyo you know, all of these things are things that I've done that people told me I could not do. And it was almost like as soon as I was diagnosed with being legally blind, it was like that diagnosis was trying to claim what my life was going to be destined to be. And even though I had not met anyone who was blind or visually impaired uh, initially, like I knew that I was not going to be giving power to anyone but myself to reach areas that I wanted to reach in my life you know I'm still ambitious <laughs> in my later years of life mm -hmm. I still have a lot of things I want to accomplish but at 21 I traveled to Tokyo Japan with 11 strangers who all had different disabilities to advocate for Japanese residents uh, who had disabilities and I was told that before I left that I couldn't go to Tokyo because I was blind 
my one of my family members was like, how are you going to go to Tokyo and you can't see? And I'm like, well, I don't think I'm the first visually impaired person traveling in this world. <laughs> like, I'm sure wherever they are, they're traveling. They're doing something. And um, I, I was also told that I could not be a teacher. But, and I really wasn't even trying to be a full-time teacher. I just wanted to be a substitute teacher to see if I could get idea on whether I like teaching, if I like working with children and I was told that I could not do that because I was blind and um then I became a substitute teacher certified from kindergarten to 12th grade and I taught in all 11 public schools in the Montclair school district here in New Jersey and it was just you know so many doubts that people had for me that I kind of like debunked because one, it was something that I was ambitious enough to want to experience. And two, like, when people tell me I can't do something, it's my motivation to myself to show them that I can and that I will and that whatever they have to say is not going to determine my outcome. And, you know, adjusting to vision loss is a continuous, continuous experience as long as we live. You know, people will have success, people will have challenges, and some people will be a little stagnated for some time because adjustment to vision loss is a part of uh, one of the stages is grieving. It's like losing a loved one, losing your, your pet. It's losing something that's a part of you. And when you are not faced with resources and information and just people with lived experience um initially the only thing you can deal with is yourself and your decision to move forward mm-hmm. um so you know that's what it is with dealing with vision loss and i'm legally blind i can see hand motion and light in my left eye and my right eye i see out of my peripheral which is actually all around the eye and it's very blurry Um, I can still see some colors. I can see large, large letters. Like, they have to be super large and bold. And for the most part, I can see where I'm walking to, but it's very blurry. Um, I cannot see streetlights, street signs. Uh, I did used to use handheld magnifiers when I first began losing my eyesight, like the little um, globe. But I no longer can use those. Right, those little circular I, magnifiers. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do use a closed-circuit TV from time to time for work. Um, but for the most part, I like to use screen reader technology, like uh, JAWS or VoiceOver and Siri on my phone and iPad right. and on my laptop, JAWS. I do use a cane uh, for mobility because um, that's a whole nother story in my adjustment to vision loss because when I first started losing my vision and I was introduced to what orientation and mobility was, I was hesitant because I knew I could still see. And I didn't understand what it meant to be legally blind because I'm like, okay, how am I legally blind when I can still see things? 
Right. Is it is it <laughs> the I, word blind that kind of triggered it for you? Because I, yes. I I know a lot of times when I say legally, a lot of times I say visually impaired because when I see legally blind, it's kind of like, you know, if your mom were to ask you, uh, do you want ice cream or cake? And you always say the last thing because people hear the word blind and they, they forget, they don't hear the legally part. They don't know how to put it together. They just go, oh, you're blind, but you, you're, you didn't run into a wall. And it's like, I didn't say I was blind. I said, I'm legally blind. So, uh, and so when I first heard that word from me, I was just like, but that's silly. I, I can see. Um, yeah. But once you educate yourself and you realize, like, okay, you're under the limit of being able to drive and so on and so on. This is why you're considered legally blind. Because if you weren't considered legally blind, you wouldn't be able to get certain, you know, disability or whatever because you're, you know, you can still see. But, um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening who may not be in the blindness community and you don't know about the different branches of vision loss, there's low vision, there's legal blindness, there's a vision impairment, there's blindness, and there's also deaf blindness. And all of these I have been introduced to over the span of the past 21 years that I have been legally blind. Um, And I've met some remarkable people in the blindness and disability community overall in these past 21 years. It'll be 21 years in August that I have been diagnosed with the pseudotumor and uh, determined to be legally blind. And in many cases, being legally blind is um, where someone with normal eyesight would see at a distance of 200 feet or more, and maybe I would only be able to see uh, 20 feet, 10 to 20 feet less or, or less um, than that person, um, and my vision can't be corrected currently. I was told that maybe through some stem cell research, it might have a possibility of being slightly restored, but not fully restored. And, you know, I'm not really banking on that right now because what is for me is going to be for me. I know that I am really, truly beyond blessed with a lot of the experiences that I have had. Um, And a lot of the challenges, whether they were positive or negative, and my experience, because as long as we live, we're going to have positive and negative experiences. You know, life is truly uh, like a, a learning tool every day that we wake up and breathe and experience something that life has to offer us. Right. You know, it's not easy. Nothing is never really going to come to you so easy. But um, it is doable. It's workable. You know, there is life after blindness, after vision loss. You know, some people may not be able to imagine it, but I can definitely tell you with my own lived experience that as long as you have the determination and motivation for yourself to succeed and for yourself to understand yourself, then, you know, all you need to focus on is moving forward from there, you know. And it's Um, humbling, too. Like, it it lets you know every day that, you, you can't ever get too full of yourself. 
no matter how much your loss of sight, and again, I guess it can translate to anybody with a disability, which I've talked to many people and they kind of feel the same way where it's like, there may be a day where, you know, I may like kind of overthink something like, Oh, I'll, I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to watch this movie. And it's like, Oh, you're an idiot. Like, of course you can't do that. Like it, it just lets you know every day when you kind of get a little too big headed or, or conceited or whatever it is, it kind of brings you back to reality and you just goes, Oh, Hey, that's right. You have this. Um, now it, it could break you, it could make you sad and so on. And that's fine too. But you know, it always kind of brings you back to like, okay, like this is me. And you know, it, once you kind of, uh, you know, get comfortable with it, um, if you can, most people maybe don't or do, but, uh, yeah, it can really make your life better when you can kind of just come to terms with it and just go like, yeah, all right, this is me. And this is just the rest of my life. Um, and this is how I'm going to have to live it. And I just got to find ways to, uh, for everything in life to work for me in, in everyday life. Yeah. And you have to have a sense of acceptance, you know, we're human beings. So it's okay for us to feel sad or depressed or angry about something that we lose. But it's, to me, it's a natural course of feeling, but I feel like those feelings should be temporary you should definitely experience them, deal with them, acknowledge them, but they should not be um, a forever moment for you um, because there are other feelings and other experiences we're going to have outside of that. And we, we just have to have um, that mustard seed of faith, you know, that one, you'll be able to get through it. And two, you can still reach success. You can still achieve small and large accomplishments. And as long as you tell yourself that that's going to happen, you know, you have to have affirmation about what you want your life to be. And things are not going to always come easy. Like I mentioned earlier, things may not happen as fast as you would like them to happen. But the point of it all is to make sure that you're active and you're trying at least. Because when I first started losing my eyesight, I mean, with all of the love that my family gave me, I I needed them to back off. I needed them to back off and allow me to come into my new self and, and experience this new lifestyle, even at 16 years old. Like, my grandfather, when he was alive, he loved me so much that... He thought that he needed to cut my food up in squares and shapes. <laughs> and I was appalled. <laughs> I was so appalled. And I and then, you know, because I was so young and, you know, kind of naive to, you know, what it really is to take care of a person and what the best for them, I realized later on as I became a young adult that, you know, that, that was really just his love for me. Right. But I also had to kind of, like, show him and show my other family members that, you know, I know you all love me. I know you all support me. But you must allow me to be me and allow me to fix out things. Allow me to try things, even if I make a mistake. You know, it's my mistake to be made. And one thing's for sure about making my mistake is going to be an opportunity for me to learn how to do it a different way once I make the mistake. I'm not going to do everything um in some kind of sequence of chronological order and it's not going to be coming out perfect 
But because I'm now a person with a disability, I have to try. I have to realize what I'm able to do and what I might need to ask people help uh, with. Um, Because that's another thing with the humility of, you know, becoming a person with a disability later on in life. You do have to own your story and you do have to figure out what um, you want to do. But you also have to remember that you're not the only person living in this world and that there are still people who are out there who can help you, whether they're friends, family, or whomever. And you just have to remember to use uh, your mouth to vocalize that, hey, you know what? I did try to do this a few, several times. So let me just ask somebody for some help. Right. You know, you, you have to be okay with asking for help. Yeah, um, at some point. I mean, there are people that are going to judge you, but then there are people who literally just don't understand what you're going through. And if you don't speak up about it, they'll never know. And so they're, whether you think they're ignorant to it or not, it's just something they don't have to deal with or they don't know anyone like it. So it's like there are times where people genuinely have a good heart and want to help you. But if you don't explain your situation and, and go in depth on what you're going through, then they're probably not going to be able to help you properly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then you are, as, as human beings, we have the right to revoke that whole explanation point. Because honestly and truthfully, you're not going to always want to explain your situation to someone. But, you know, when you feel like you're having those moments, you know, allow yourself to decompress. And then when those teaching moments come again, because honestly, the more that we share with people who are not like us, who are not in our experience as people with disabilities, the more that we share and the more awareness that we give them, you know, the more understanding comes into play because people with disabilities have been around since humanity. And it's it's really baffling that, you know, we're still kind of like the last thought in a lot of conversations and a lot of decision-making, you know, in today's society. And, you know, in areas that really affect our lives, like education, employment, uh, being an adult, uh, housing, all of these areas that are major areas in our everyday living. But um, when it reflects our lifestyle as people with disabilities, we're really like an afterthought. And that's, to me, really mind-boggling because there are so many people, especially now with the pandemic, who have become people with disabilities, you know. Yep. The population of people with disabilities has increased immensely since this pandemic. And you would think that there were more opportunities that would be developed. I mean, there are some, and it is a start, but I what? feel like the start is so delayed. Yeah. Well, and new disabilities are being, you know, developed, you know, you know, understood every now and then there's some new one that comes out. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't really think, but like mental health is very crippling and, and we all deal with it, but it's, it's a disability in itself. I'm not saying everyone should just collect social security for it or whatever, because everyone has different amounts of how much it affects you. But in general, like that's a disability in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of these, what people call yeah. like. Uh, you know, what are they called? Not internal, oh, invisible disabilities, ones that you just can't see. 
Um, yeah, hidden disabilities. Uh-huh. There's so many that are, and like I said, there's so many that are kind of, uh, kind of coming to the forefront, and, and people are starting to understand them more. Um, because a lot of people, even just like with special needs, people just think, oh, well, they're just special needs, but there's there's people that are just autistic. There's people that you know have there's so many different conditions that come from it. It's not just one, um, and they all need different things based on a lot of times just person by person, but they need certain uh, things to help them get through the circumstances that they're dealing with. Um, and so, yeah, more and more of us continue to come out of this. And yeah, and COVID has just not been very good to a lot of us. Um, you know, knock on wood, I've been great, but you know, I know so many people have just been affected by whether they have a disability or not. Um, so yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, with my, with my lived experience as a person uh, with a disability, I have had a chance to, um, be educated, have a chance to be employed. And a lot of my previous employment uh, versus my current employment were in support capacities, but it um, awarded me a lot of great experience that has gotten me placed in, you know, the state of employment I'm in right now. I currently uh, work for a state agency as a community outreach specialist for all 21 counties in New Jersey. And um, it's been a really good experience. But um, when I'm not working, I operate my nonprofit organization, which is a 501c3 tax exempt organization. And it's called Eyes Like Mine Incorporated. And um, our mission is to share awareness about the abilities and potential of individuals with vision loss through community service initiatives and comprehensive empowerment workshops. And I've been operating this nonprofit for the past seven years now. And even with the start of that, when I had the idea with a few other people who are my board members, I was told that maybe I should take my idea and put it under someone else's organization. And I just couldn't see myself doing that. You know, I didn't have a full-fledged plan on everything that was going to be incorporated into the organization. But I knew that I wanted to be able to have my own space for the people that I connect with um, with this organization. And um, seven years in, we're still local. Um, but we've been doing a lot of great work in the past seven years. That's awesome. This this is something I don't know, great outside. There's an ice cream truck, and my mic picks up all of it. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so something that I've I've thought about more recently is you know I've come to terms that I am a a, a disability advocate. Um, how, how much does it matter to you, or how much do you think about? being a good representation for our community because we have so few and you know a a lot of what people like advocates and people who really care and obviously people who have been through what we've been through and and many others have been through like how much does it weigh on you how much do you really think about just kind of being a really good representation for the community so that people can understand us better and um, realize what we go through (laughs) 
Well, I'm proud to know that I could be one of the many representatives of the disability community. You know, uh, my advocacy started with, of course, with myself, with my lived experience. And then a lot of my lived experience has been poured into my organization. And even outside of my organization, where I've sat on different advisory committees and um, focus groups uh, to make sure that needs that reflect people with disabilities are where they should be and that we get the most out of what is available to us and that we know what's available to us. You know, social security is not the only resource that people with disabilities to connect with. I mean, it's definitely important, Mm -hmm. but there are so many other areas like adaptive technology, uh, employment, uh, inclusion in communities, all of these different areas that affect our lives. And um, I'm glad to know that I can be a representative, if you will. Um, You know, I'm just really trying to live my life and carry out the things that drive my passion forward. And one of them includes advocacy and the disability community because I am a person with a disability and because I realize the... uh, injustices and imbalance of inclusion and you know this this is something that I don't know how long it's going to take for us to become close to um, the forefront of conversation I mean I do see now with all of these different diversity campaigns uh, Amazon a lot of other corporations are trying to be a little more disability friendly in terms of like their hiring processes and their equal opportunity employment, you know, labels and uh, plans and such. But um, to represent the disability community, just one out of the the many, um, I feel good to know that my ideas have led me to many different spaces to be able to do that from doing collaborative work with um, my mayor who is the mayor over the largest municipality in New Jersey to um, local community influencers and even collaborating with other nonprofit organizations that might not be uh, disability centered but they are open and welcoming to making sure that they are inclusive and making sure that they have proper accommodations in place should there be a person with a disability who, you know, needed to have that equal access. So I'm I'm really proud. Yeah, you should be. I mean, like I said, I just started thinking about it just because I know, you know, that people now hear my voice and, and being someone to you know, for everything I say, it, 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 it can hold some weight, um, regardless of how big I ever become or don't become, you know, I know being a good, you know, person out and, and showing that what we can do, you know, everything I do can matter. Um, and, and, you know, I never wanted to be a person that gets in the way. I want to show 
spread the light and show what we can do because there's so much we can do and people put so many limitations on us and never really allow us to shine the way we really can. They just automatically assume we can't do certain things based on what they imagine if their their eyes went or their ears went or whatever. And it's like, well, I couldn't do that, so you can't. But um, yeah. But being a person. Go ahead, sweetie. Go ahead. Honestly, you know, what you don't know, you just don't know. And some people who couldn't fathom being in our shoes, like, once you get into this position to be a person with a disability, it's a lot of figuring out we have to do, truthfully. And a lot of adjustment, you know, a lot of acceptance, too. So you can't really, like, base your perceptions on people with disabilities um, just because you're you're not in our shoes, you know? Yeah. There could be a time when it could be you or it could be someone close to you, and that's where you would need to know about these different communities and these different resources that are available to support the success of individuals with disabilities. You know, individuals with disabilities are not just on Social Security, are not just sitting at home waiting for someone to take care of them. There are leaders in the community. There are businessmen and women. There are fathers and mothers and really influential people in the disability community. And, you know, where there are people who are still kind of in their figuring out stage and they're still going through the challenge of depression and defeat and grief, there are, you know, another side of our community that's really out there in the trenches and trying to make it happen, trying to uh, make a way for the next person that follows them. Right. Yeah. And that's, and again, that's kind of like the whole transition of life of, you know, we're, we're the generation that takes care of the next generation, just like the one above us, you know, whatever, the, the 40 year olds, the 50 or whatever, you know, well, I'm in the 30s. So, you know, like they are supposed to take care of, you know, set it up for me to kind of succeed. And then I'm supposed to set it up for the group below me. And we just continue to pass it on and make life easier. Uh, and that's why we continue to strive for things like, you know, you know, obviously getting a black man in the white house was something, you know, obviously passing gay marriage, you know, like things like that. If you're, if you're going to, if you want to make strives to fix these problems, um, you know, you have to be the kind of the start of it. And then the next one, like I said, you just keep passing the ball down until you just continue to keep going and life. Hopefully gets better for generation and generation and generation and generation. But, um, and so, like I said, I've been thinking about it just because, you know, I just not even just because of what I do. It's just, I want to be a good representation because it matters to me. And, and I know there's a lot of people that don't feel like they have a voice and they can do what I do or what you do or what others do. It, it's, you know, and I want to, I want to make people feel like they can, regardless of whatever their condition is, uh, regardless of how off they feel they are, just, you can make a small difference and that could turn into something much bigger. And, uh, and if you don't try, you can't complain about it because you have to get out there and you have to try, even if it's something small, just make it known that you're just, you're not useless. Like you have a disability. That doesn't mean that just, it means your life is going to be a little more difficult and things are going to be different for you than others. But that doesn't mean you're any less than anyone else. It's just life is more difficult, but you can appreciate life more. 
And there's a lot of things you have like empathy. And there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't have out here that you probably will end up having because of the circumstances. And, and you'll probably learn a lot more just because of, you know, when life is harder to you, if you can learn to appreciate your journey, um, you hopefully can come on the other side of it and, and realize that, you know, there are some great things to live for. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, it sucks to lose your sight or it sucks to lose whatever it is that is ailing you if you're listening, but it, it can get better. And in a lot of ways, a lot of people with disabilities end up saying that it's the greatest thing that ever happened to them. Um, I'm, I'm working that out, but I love who I am and who, what it's made me. Um, sure. Would I like my sight back? Yeah, but I'm okay with it. Like, I think my only worry is I've, I've said multiple times is, is the unknown of being able to lose more of it for me. But if I kept my vision right now, which is not good, I'm good with it. Um, but if I lose more, I'll just have to adapt. Like I've did many times over. Yes. And also to the listeners, you know, as you hear, um, both of our commentaries, get yourself nosy enough to connect with information. We're in an information world where everything pretty much is online. Our phones are little mini computers and every phone has an accessibility feature uh, for magnification, voice activation, hearing loss, and there's tons and tons and tons of free apps that are conducive to a person with a disability to navigate around in different internet spaces to connect with information. Because information is what will really get you to the next stage, you know, whether it's a conversation you're having with someone or your own research to find out about you know, the extent of whatever your condition could be, for one. You know, ask lots of questions to any medical professionals who are, you know, giving you diagnoses. Um, and make sure that you're being proactive and self-advocating for yourself and that you walk into different spaces and rooms with the most knowledge about uh, whatever the topic can focus on, especially if it's um, relating to what your life is going to be. You know, when I was going to all of my different uh, treatment sessions, at, as a young adult, I asked questions. And I've, you know, I've, I've experienced different types of uh, discrimination. Like, for one, for one instance, I was going to um, a gynecologist and it was my first appointment, and I was referred by my primary physician. And when I got there, I did the initial paperwork, you know, to do all of my uh, insurance and medical history and things like that because I was a new patient. And um, when it was time for me to go into the examination room, I was just going for my annual checkup. And I noticed I was waiting in this room for so long. And in the lobby of the doctor's office, there were really, I think there was no patients. There may have been one other patient in the lobby. I just couldn't fathom why it was taking so long 
But I just figured, you know what, all right, this is my first time here. Maybe she has other patients in the other examination rooms. And when I got in there, one of the first things that this doctor asked of me was, what's going on with my eyesight? I'm too young. And I, I, I was so shocked by her. And that is what really lit a fire under me for starting my self-advocacy. Because I just didn't understand that question. That question was really absurd. And I said, well, I mean, I didn't know that vision laws had particular ages that it wanted to connect with. You know, someone could be born visually impaired or blind and someone can uh, begin losing their eyesight later in life for various reasons. And, and on top of that, she wore eyeglasses. So her vision wasn't that great herself. Yeah. And she refused treat me, to examine me, because she thought I wasn't competent enough to read the paperwork um, as a first-time patient. And I, I said to her, I'm definitely competent, <laughs> but the only reason I can't read this is because you have not allowed it to be accessible to me. I, it's small print. I'm legally blind. And I cannot see it. So what can happen is your staff that you pay should read it to me. And then I'll be able to receive the information. And she told me that I could not force her to examine me. And she refused to treat me because I was blind. And because she associated my vision loss with an intellectual impairment. Yeah, we and, all have that story. <laughs> and it just was so, like, bothering to me because I I, I just didn't understand. I, I was like, well, what does my vision have to do with the GYN? Like, they're, those are two different <laughs> organs. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, and so what I did was I walked to my civil rights office because I was so fuming, heated, and I explained the scenario. And um, it led up to us having to have a, um, a mediation meeting. And the outcome was that, one, she had to go through some training and all of her staff members to be inclusive of patients who have disabilities, she had to have certain um, certifications placed in her, her office. And she has to also donate to a charity of my choosing because of her discrimination. Now, to me, um, I feel like I guess that's all that could have been done because it was her word against my word. And I was independently going to my doctor. But, you know, if I would have just stayed angry and not said anything, I mean, nothing would have happened. And she wouldn't have realized at all who she was really dealing with. Because I think she really thought that I had an intellectual impairment. Mm. And I didn't know, you know, that what she was doing was discriminating against me. And, um, you know, it opened her eyes to something different. Because 
these kinds of stories, whether it's an outcome like this or an experience like this, it's so very important that we advocate for ourselves and our rights because, and, and we know our rights too. Right. Because, um, well, the, the, end, the end result of, isn't always important. It, it, the fact that you did the right thing, like you spoke up for yourself and, and, you know, how many people did, I mean, maybe you're the first person she did that to, or maybe you're the 10th, but at least you yeah. stood up for yourself. And, and like I said, just because, I mean, you, you basically became a nuisance in her life because you made her have to do some things she probably, she has no interest in doing. Um, and maybe you changed her mindset, maybe not, but again, you still stood up for yourself. So you did the right thing. And, and it, it looks good for people with our you know, with a disability, the fact that there are people that aren't going to take it. And, you know, we want people to take us serious. Yeah. And it just starts with a small act to the largest act, you know, people all across the world are, um, involved in different platforms to advocate for people with disabilities. So if it's something that's just direct to you or something that can be, you know, reflective of, a collective group of people, then, you know, just start somewhere and become knowledgeable about what's right and what's wrong, what's inclusive and what's not inclusive, because it's important that our voices are heard and our stories are told, um, because there, there will always be someone who comes after us, and there will always be someone who will need to have the same access that we had. Right. Absolutely. Um, do you have any, uh, uh, like towards the end, I always like to ask the guests to like, I guess we'll be very specific with one, this one. Do you have any advice for anybody who's, you know, was a, you know, kind of in the beginning stages where you were, you know, a young crystal who, um, you know, maybe in, in, in a sense, the deaf nail of the deaf sentence of, Hey, you're going to, you could lose all your sight or you're going to lose most of it. Um, do you have any, like. I don't know, advice for someone in that, in those shoes where they're, you know, obviously worried they're, you know, a plethora of emotions is running through their head. Yeah, sure. Um, I just want to say to those who might be feeling confused, worried, negative, or whatever it is you could be feeling right now and whatever life transition you're experiencing, it doesn't have to just be vision loss or disability. We all go through different challenges every day. But just know that um, you hold the power to your destiny. You are powerful. How you feel matters. And this is not going to last forever. You know, whatever situation you're in, whatever feelings that you have that could make you feel like, oh, it's over. This is all I have in life, you really cannot predict what your outcome is going to be. Because when I was 16, I did not know that I would experience all of what I have from traveling across the world with 11 strangers to now running a 501c3 organization and working at the same time. You know? And as long as you have the will and determination, and I'll quote uh, Mariah Carey, if you believe in yourself enough and know what you want, you're going to make it happen. 
it's an old song, Make It Happen by Mariah Carey, but I love it because that verse really is a powerful line. And it's true. Believe in yourself. And then get up off your butt and make it happen. Because if you don't start, then it can't get done. And then another, if you have ambitions and dreams, whether it's entrepreneurial or whether you're just trying to do something to have a different experience, don't allow your doubts to be bigger than your dreams. You know, don't allow defeat or the unknown to define where you're going to be going because you never know. You might shock yourself. So have that open mindset, you know, It may sound easier said than done, but create a routine for yourself where you are affirming your life to succeed. Absolutely. Um, One final question is, uh, so you invited me on to your show. Um, What is, what does it entail? And, and, you know, like what, what is your kind of your goal with it? So there are a series of programs within my organization, Eyes Like My Inc. And one that has been very impactful out of the many um, is a peer support group call that I host every Sunday along with uh, some faithful volunteers and interns. It's co-facilitated by uh, a gentleman who is very new to his vision loss. His name is Anthony Orapesa. And he's um, enrolling into his first year of college, as well as another college student out of Tennessee. Her name is Shidiogo, and she is originally from uh, Nigeria. And what we do with this peer support group, last year during the pandemic, we had to transition a lot of our programs to the virtual aspect, just as many other companies and organizations and groups. And um, we were able to introduce a swelling of over 80 uh, speakers to our audience from all over the world, from as close as New Jersey to as far as Jamaica, Nigeria, and Russia. And with our support group, we are able to share the stories of individuals who either are professionals in the field or who have lived experience with losing any degree of vision loss, their journey, their challenges, and their success. And this platform is to empower our listeners and our attendees of the support group, men and women, to be their best selves and live their best lives. And we do this from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. It is on Zoom, so you can log on or you can dial in. There's a telephone number function. Um... You can find more information about this and other programs that we're doing by going to our website, which is eyeslikemind.org, or you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and YouTube at the handle at eyeslikemindinc. And then you can subscribe to our newsletter that we distribute, um, you know, ever so often. <laughs> We just recently distributed a newsletter yesterday. And uh, if you go to our website or our Facebook page, you can insert your email and subscribe to our newsletter because we share a wide variety of information about what we're doing 
as well as information that relates to um, just general resources and information and other disability-focused organizations. So um, I have invited um, TJ, should I say, or should I? Yes, that's, your full name? yeah, no, okay. you're good. I mean, they know my full uh, name, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. So I invited TJ to come on and speak during the month of June because this month of May, we are focusing on uh, women because it is Women's Health Month along with Mental Health Month. And um, we talk about a variety of topics. And sometimes we do have different interactive games and contests during our peer support group just to keep things lively. And um, it's an opportunity to just share your platform, to share your story. Uh, we have anywhere between one to four speakers on at a time. And they all have different perspectives, but it leads up to the one common denominator, which is being a person with a disability. And um, anyone who's listening can always feel free to log on. Um, when we're not doing our peer support group, we host an audio book club on Saturdays. And it's between 5 to 6, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. And it's also on Zoom. Everything we're doing is on Zoom. And uh, if you're interested, we shared our book list for the rest of this year to connect with. So we usually read the book before the scheduled Saturday, and then we come together and we uh, connect and exchange dialogue. All of our books that we select are usually audio books. But if it's a person who likes to read books, you know, and actually read the large print, or whatever print is uh, conducive to their eyesight, they're welcome to do the paperback if they want, but we deal with um, the Audible platform or Bard, the app, to listen to any audio content. And um, we also have a pageant that we're throwing. It's the milestone year of our pageant, and it's called the Miss Flying Diva Empowerment Pageant. It's, it's, in it, it's in its fifth year of operation, and we've had a total of six title holders who are women that are from different parts of New Jersey and different parts of the U.S. And every year we do this pageant, uh, we're accepting applications currently, and people who are 18 and up can apply to our pageant this year. And we place emphasis on the word empowerment because that is what we're focusing on. It's not a beauty pageant, it's an empowerment pageant. And there are a series of different seminars that the women experience before the finale day, which our pageant is scheduled for October 2nd this year. Um, we also have a resource fair that we host every year. And this year, for the first time, we're having three resource fairs. So we had the first one this year on March 26th which was virtual for the first time. And then the second one, in observance of the 88th anniversary, we will have it on July 26th, which is actually the date that the ADA was enacted. Um, and then the third one will be on October 26th. We're doing a lot of different things right now. I can tell, actually, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh -huh. This Sunday, we're going to be having a live uh, blind hockey clinic at uh, the Prudential Center 
in downtown Newark with a few different blind hockey leagues and the New Jersey Devils um, hockey players where we would do a clinic to teach people who are visually impaired or blind how to skate. And then we'll have a clinic with uh, the actual blind hockey experience. And that's going to be on May 23rd. Um, And then we're doing a fundraiser. We're doing a fundraiser. If you ladies and gents like a little bling and you heard of Swarovski Crystals, we are doing a fundraiser with Touchstone Crystals by Swarovski up until the end of uh, May, where you can purchase a Swarovski crystal item and um, a portion of your purchase will be donated to the organization um, out of the accumulated sales by May 30th. So all of this information is on our Instagram page. It's on our, our newsletter And we have so many more other things to come that we are doing. Um, June 13th, we're going to be celebrating the fathers who just so happen to be blind and visually impaired with an event we're calling the Toast to the Dads Men's Circle. So it's a lot of different things that we're doing, and we hope that you can connect with Eyes Like Mind Inc. or uh, share the information with another person who can connect with us and, you know, just stay connected with us. Um, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So any of you who may be experiencing social isolation, tomorrow the New Jersey Commission for the Blind is having their monthly community connection call. And it's from 1030 until 12 noon. And the topic is going to focus on uh, mental health. It's entitled You Are Not Alone. And it's a teleconference line. So all you have to do is have some time between 10.30 a.m. and 12 noon to dial the number 1-888-808-6929 and use access code 648-6149 to connect. There'll be a host of about seven speakers who will speak from different perspectives, men and women, um, some who are visually impaired and blind and some who have other disabilities. All of them are professionals, and it's a way to connect with information and resources that represent mental health, that represent the stereotypes that are placed against mental health, and um, how people can be empowered um, in spite of any mental health experience that they are having, especially now during this pandemic. The pandemic has tested so many people's mental health, and it's so important that you connect with the resources that are available. 100%, yeah. Um, again, thank you, sweetie. I thank you for doing this. Um, as I said, we're definitely going to keep in touch. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, when the episode gets close to coming out, I will ask for all your information. I will get your website and all that. We'll put it all in the description. Um, but overall, yeah, thank you again just for doing what you do. And like I said, it's it, it's well-needed. And, uh, yeah, again, like I said, thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you most definitely for inviting me and allowing me to share my story and my platform. Yeah. Like I said, we're going to connect and, you know, we'll figure out when I'll come on your show. And, uh, like I said, we'll just keep in touch and help support each other. And hopefully we'll, you know, do some good and make a real difference in this world. 
Yes. All right. All right. Thank you again. All right. Thank you, PJ. Yep. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. <clears throat> All right, guys. That was another good one. Um, yeah. I, I Sorry. I just kind of spaced out. Uh, sorry for the ice cream truck. Um, of course, he wanted to come through at this time. Uh, of course, I'm sure every kid in this stupid neighborhood was just, oh, look at ice cream. Uh, just, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it, it's whatever. Um, sitting, here, sitting here loving up on the uh, sweet boy's name is the bullet. Let me see if he'll purr. Oh, the mic's too far anyway. I, I got to pull a table over. I'm just being lazy. But he's peeking his eyes out underneath his paws. He's just such a sweet voice. He's been sneezing a lot lately. I think it's the pollen. So it's not just me. So now we're we're both uh, allergic to this stupid shit that continues to be produced every year. And I hate the hot weather because that's when it starts to come. And I just don't like hot weather. And the sun and I are mortal enemies. I'm basically a vampire. Um, anyway, um, yeah, like again, that was another great episode. Like I said, I, I don't know, man, I, I keep finding so many good people and I'm very happy to, uh, find them. I mean, I, I've, I'm not, you know, I guess I should toot my own horn, but I, I really do take time to find these people. It's like some are, some just kind of naturally happen and I just say hi and I kind of know where it's going to go. And, and like with her, I didn't know. I, we just, you know, I was the first one to ever reach out to her. I didn't know that until she told me off mic and I thought maybe she was on there for a while and she's been doing a lot of these interviews, but no. Um, but I was very grateful to get her. Like I said, she's, she's well needed for our, our community. And, um, I know she had a lot to promote and a lot that she was talking about, but again, these are the type of things that we need. Um, and you know, it's, it, it cannot be just brushed over and just forgotten about. Um, so, yeah, again, I continue to keep finding people. I got more lined up, and um, we're just going to continue to do this, guys. I don't, like I said, uh, if you know anybody this could help, please share it with them. If you know anybody would like to be interviewed, please reach out to me. Um, mainly, you know, my Instagram is my blurred opinion, uh, or at my blurred opinion on Instagram, obviously. Um you know, if you want to get a hold of me on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash tjwest.96. The dot .96, I don't know why it's there, but apparently they do that for the kind of market that's yours. Just something to make it different. I don't know. Either way, I'm sure I can change it, but that's what it is. Um, yeah, I almost gave my number. I mean, I thought I'd care, but eh, whatever. Um, but you know how many crazy people are out there, and there's always one person listening that's just like, I want to find it. I'm sure I pissed somebody off. I've, I've done a good job that I've only, well, I guess I shouldn't say I've only pissed off two people. I guess I pissed off three. But two people that I cared about. One person that was just an insignificant person. Um, oh, look, there's the lawnmower. All right, let's get out of here. Um, but yes, I have pissed off a couple people. That's all right. I kind of like it. Um, I hope I didn't piss any of you guys off. Uh, you're all sweet people. I'm just going to say that because you listen to me and I have to say it. Um, I actually just bought, I know I'm getting older, just kind of as a quick side note. Uh, I'm getting older because I'm enjoying buying uh, stuff for the tub and for the kitchen and shit. Like I just bought these like, uh, like I don't know what they're called, but like shower bombs, bombs where you just like throw it and you throw it at the bottom of the tub and it just like 
turned your tub into a sauna. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm just, and I, I'm sitting there like, yes, I got this. And it just, and I, I don't, I was excited about it. So I got I to gotta go to my mailbox. It's hot outside, but I got to go walk and go get it because I want to go take a nice shower and I want to just pamper myself like a sweet boys that I am. Um, yeah. And I bought something else that was a little, oh, and I bought a little board where you sit your clothes on and it helps you fold it like properly. Um, I got like fumble fingers. I can do it, but this is just so much nicer. People say, well, you wasted 16 bucks. I don't give a shit. I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed folding clothes. I know. So now I need to find something to help me make like doing dishes fun because I don't enjoy that at all. Uh, And then after that will be, how do I do bullets litter? I don't enjoy that at all either. Um, Anyway, guys. All side notes, uh, hope it doesn't take away from everything she just said that was so delightful. Uh, I am a, a complete idiot. Just ignore me. Uh, not completely, because I need you to listen. Uh, but anyway, guys, I will see you on the next one. Appreciate all your love and support. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye.